What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Hollywood Tales. My name is Ahmed Ahmed. Blake Barty. My co-host, Wolf Ramirez, over here. You can't see him, but he's running all the Matrix behind the scenes. It's been quite uh, the week. Let's just get into it. Cancel culture. People are woke again. And uh, I thought after Chappelle, things would die down. The Chappelle, Netflix, The Closer. And now... Now we have the Joe Rogan, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, all these, all these artists are jumping on board, trying to cancel. What's funny is the irony is that Neil Young's songs were about freedom of speech. Yeah. And then here he is canceling a guy who's expressing his freedom of speech. I just don't get it. What do you, what uh, do you think? I don't understand. Everybody uh, has to pick a side and just... As far as the whole Joe Rogan thing, I mean, he's just sitting there talking and getting people's opinions, and if why can't he have his own opinion? You know, he's they they bashed him because he took the you know the coronavirus treatments or whatever. He's still alive. I I don't understand you know the problem with the just having your own opinion. You know, people want to go left hard. They want to go right. Why not just stay in the middle and just, you know, listen to both sides? I, res- I respect people that are left or right and, and in the middle. And, you know, even Joe. Like, I, I'm i not a big fan of Joe Rogan. Um, it's no secret. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no offense. I just, we, I, we've had, you know, I don't even know him that well. We were just, like, comedy store kind of comrades and peers. And... Uh, you know, he wasn't very kind to me, and he was kind of a bully and, you know, sort of the mayor of... What's was funny, he used to call me mayor of Hollywood. Did I ever tell you this story? Briefly, yeah. Did we talk about it on the podcast? No, no. Did we, t- Wolf? Nope. I used to come into the comedy store with uh, a good friend of mine, Vince Vaughn, who was very red-hot famous at the time, and, like, Tom Morello, who's been on our podcast, the famous guitar player from Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave and Atlas Underground and all these numerous, you know, bands and projects. Uh, and then, like, these young kind of hip actors like Cole Hauser and Roy Cochran. And it was just a weird, eclectic group. You know, Peter Billingsley, who was a big child star, became producer. He was on our podcast. Give us a time frame. This was, like, I would say this was, like, mm, mid-'90s, like, early. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. Because I got passed there in 99. Mitzi Shore passed me, Brett Ernst, and Sam Tripoli on the same night in 1999. Damn. November. I'll never forget it. Nice. We used to do a show there called Rock Comedy. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a spinoff from Dublin's. I think I've talked about Dublin's. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but Dublin's was arguably the hottest comedy show, not only in LA or California, in the country. Like East Coast comics were talking about it and... Um, we had every week it was like Dave Chappelle or, you know, that back in the day, like Rogan, um, Tommy, and Sebastian, uh, Sebastian, Manchin? Sebastian Maniscalco. Yeah. Sebastian Maniscalco performed there a lot. Uh, Bobby Lee, Ken Jung, Zach Galifianakis, uh, Dan Cook got famous in this room. Damn. So we, Paulie Shore came in one night and he was like, Hey, buddy. <laughs> oh, buh, buh. Do you want to bring this? He came in with like five blonde, uh, like playmates, I think they were at the time, or wannabe playmates. And he was like really impressed with the room. There were 300 people in there, and it was like 
you know, famous actors and musicians and Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, they were there every week and athletes. It was just a wild Hollywood, you know, four years of awesome, sexy comedy. We brought sexy back to the Sunset Strip. What years? This was 19, I want to say like 90, 99, 2000. Yeah, like 99. It was right before I got passed at the comedy store. And so um, it was free. We didn't charge anybody. First come, first serve. My phone would ring off the hook every day by comics. Hey, can I get a spot? I haven't been laid in two months. <laughs> if you performed at Dublin's and you killed, like if you had a good set, yeah. you got laid that night straight up. Like women would go up to the ugliest comedians and they would go and they would say, thanks, man, I needed that, you know? It was weird. I'm not going to name names, but some comics you probably know. The ugly comedians. Yeah. If you're, if you're ugly, then you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean. I'm going to be mean today. Oh, shit. So anyhow, uh, it was a hot room, and Polly said, you should bring this show over to my mom's club, the comedy store. So that's how that show ended up there. We would put the best of the best. Um, what room? In the main room. Oh, duh. We called yeah. it Rock Comedy. It was really big then. Wow. We, we called it rock comedy. We had our DJ Crash at the time would play only rock and roll music because it was mostly like a lot. It was a very rock, rock and roll um, environment. Like a lot of you know mutual friends of mine and Jay Davis who was help was you know we were kind of booking it promoting it at the time. Uh, we were both friends with like, just like you know these rock gods Jerry Cantrell and Dave Navarro Morello and these guys would come in with their girl I remember uh, Chris Cornell came in one night uh, with his I guess girlfriend at the time or wife um, with Tom and his wife and he was super nice and I just was just like look at this like you know it was like a random Tuesday night you know they're in town a lot of these guys were sober at the time like they don't not drinking or doing drugs nothing so they just wanted a good, you know, some good, clean, fun comedy. Um, and then that show became kind of successful. And then I would just throw myself on the lineup. It was my show. Yeah. And Mitzi uh, saw me one night along with Sam, Tripoli, Brett Ernst. That's how we got passed. Rogan had already kind of been, you know, the main guy there. But then so when I got passed, I was getting great spots. She would, you know... Nine o'clock on Friday, you know, in the main room. Ten o'clock Saturday, main room. And you know, I would walk in with like all my friends, and it wasn't like a planned thing. It was like, hey, we're all going to go out on Sunset and have some drinks. Yeah, great. I'll meet you over there. I'm going to do a spot at the comedy store first, right down the street. Oh, cool. We'll come watch you. Is kind of how it worked out. It wasn't like, hey, I need you guys to come down to the comedy store. And then I'd roll up and, and, you know, I don't know what Rogan's thing was with me, but he, um, when I would walk into the comedy club or store by myself, he'd always slow clap me and go, Ahmed, Ahmed, the mayor of Hollywood. Ahmed, Ahmed, the mayor of Hollywood, everybody. And he would give me like this big, you know, announcement. And I know he was fucking around, but I know secretly he didn't like the fact that I didn't really try. You know what I mean? Like I... I have what you call just natural charisma. I think we all kind of know that, Wolf. It's something that <laughs> it's God-given. You can't buy it. You can't rent it. <laughs> People like being around me for the most part. I'm just saying. Yeah. So um, 
So he'd always do that. And so anyway, fast forward, I had a falling out with a comic uh, named Aaron Cater, who was part of the Access of Evil uh, comedy tour. We had a kind of a huge falling out, and Joe took sides with him. So one day, one night I walked into the comedy store, and he was uh, back in the parking lot by himself, smoking a joint. And I walked past him, and I go, hey, what's up, Joe? Because he didn't do the Mayor of Hollywood thing. So I just you know, initiated the hello, and he was like, yo, don't, don't fucking talk to me. I'm like, what's wrong, you all right? He's like, yeah, no, man, I'm not. You, you fucked over Aaron, and you guys this, and you did this. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, you didn't, uh, you didn't ask me my side of the story. There's yeah. two sides of the story, guy. I don't need to hear your side of the story. I made it in my mind, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, well, then, you know, go fuck yourself, man. Like, I'm not... I don't, have, I don't have to explain myself to you. I was about to, just as a gesture of peace, but... Well, you, you got canceled by Joe, then. Which is interesting. This is not, <laughs> I'm going to bring this all back around full circle. He tried to... He got away with it later. He tried to cancel me. When that, when that happened, he called the comedy store. There was a guy named Duncan Trussell, who was a really cool dude and a very funny comic, and he wasn't really doing that much stand-up at the time. He was the booker. He was the uh, the talent booker at the comedy store. So you'd call him for your avails for the week, and then he would call you back and say, you're on Friday at this time, Saturday at this time. He, Rogan called him and said, if Ahmed Ahmed's name is on the lineup, I'm not performing at the comedy store. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Swear to God, this is a true story. It's going to go in my book. I mean, it's already out here on this podcast, so... Uh, and I've told this story on podcasts and stuff, but now this is my podcast, and our yeah. podcast. So now I'm going to really tell let the story. Out. Indeed, I'm going to let it out, Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he called the comedy store. And he said, "If I'm Metamed's on the lineup, I'm not going to perform." Well, the lineup came out that Friday, and I was on it. He wasn't. Ooh. Ain't that something? He called the comedy store furious. What the hell's going on? You know, I said, "If I'm Metamed's on the lineup." And Duncan told him, hey, man, Mitzi Shore told me to tell you, don't tell her how to run her club. Period. End of story. Don't tell me how to run my club. And, and he apologized. I think he sent her flowers. And so that kind of put like, and he was kind of considered a bully around the club anyway, in a weird way. <clears throat> Two weeks later, he, uh, he went on stage when Carlos Mencia and him had that thing. I don't know if you've seen I, it. I've seen it online, yeah. It's on YouTube. It's a, like, an, it's years, many years old. I was actually in the room when it happened, but Carlos Mencia, uh, Bobby Lee was there, Ari Shafir was there, I was there. I think Ari Shafir was recording it, if I remember correctly. He's definitely on one of the videos, yeah. He is in the video. And then Mencia's on stage, Rogan goes and kind of ambushes him, they give him a mic. And, you know, I didn't really take sides because I'm not a huge fan of either of them. <laughs> I'm just saying, they're just, that's not my type of, I wouldn't do that. Like, you yeah. know, whatever. But they went at it like two little pit bulls. And I like the fact that Joe called him out, but I'm also a little bit like, eh. And, um, and I can't remember, yeah, this was, this was right after he tried to get me, you know, off the lineup. Yeah. When that happened, it put a very bad reputation on the comedy store. And it gave it like a, like a black eye, you know. And Mitzi Shore didn't like that, and so she that she banned uh, Joe. Yeah. So Joe Rogan was banned from the Comedy Store, Wolf. 
for I think almost 15 years because I was at the comedy store for about 16 years. Anyway, God rest her soul. She passed. Tommy, who was the booker at the time, was fired. There was a changing of the guards. Adam Egit came in, started booking it. And then Rogan came back. And then it was that whole, I call them like, you know, the Roganites. Joe Rogan and the Roganites. You know what I mean? I know there's like, you know, Hinchcliffe and Red Band and Diaz and like that whole Roganite crew. Um, and I used to be cool with all these comics, oddly enough. You know, Theo Vaughn, Santino, all those guys, Bobby Lee. You know, we weren't like having lunch every day, but I'd see him at the club. We were always cordial and stuff. I would always try to, you know, hang out and be friendly with the comics as much as I could. But it's a very weird circus and industry we live in. Everybody has their own little fears and insecurities. God's, God knows I do. At any rate, I started getting less spots when Rogan came back to the point where I was getting no spots. And this is, you know, for 16 years, I was getting like the best spots every every yeah. weekend. And so I, I messaged Adam Egan and I said, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I've been instructed by comedians to not book you. That's what he said in a text. And I said, who was it? He goes, he goes, I can't tell you. And I was like, just tell me who it was. And he's like, I can't. And I was like, that's weird. Now the inmates are running the fucking joint? Yeah. No, it's like comedy prison, you know? The guards are kind of out of it. And so it was a big lesson for me. You know, he, he kind of sort of came back to avenge me. Not specifically, but I was there. And yeah. he was one of the you know comics that he wanted out. So I was one of them. I got really butthurt over it. I made a big stink about it. I was very upset about it. I tried to, you know really try to mend fences and it was just not happening um so you know here we are fast forward well then the comedy store you know had all that scandal going on with people getting canceled and the sexual harassment and all that stuff and we won't name names but it's you know who it is uh and so that kind of gave a stank on the club um and then COVID happened and then everything got shut down and then you know, Rogan moved to um, to Austin. So, uh, you know, I think he's super successful. He's smart at what he's doing. I think he has great guests. Obviously, he's, you know, he has the deal with Spotify. Um, it's just funny how people, like, you know, he tried to cancel me, and then now Neil Young's trying to cancel him. It's like, yeah, it's on a different <laughs> level. It's just, you it's know, it, it is very, very weird. Um, and then you were there, you were there in, um, where was it? Boca Raton, Florida, when those, those women tried to heckle me off stage. Yeah. I think everybody just wants to have a voice now and an opinion before even, you know, just like that lady, she heard what she wanted to hear. Right. You told a joke saying someone called 911 on you. She heard you telling a joke in her own head about 9-11. Right. And she said, don't make jokes about 9-11. Uh, those people trained here and people died. And it's right. like, uh, <laughs> you didn't even, yeah. you know. I didn't even say that. So I said, I said somebody called 911 on me over a joke because they thought I was recruiting terrorists at Off the Hook Comedy Club in Naples, Florida. Like, that's 
that's what I'm doing. It's like, no, and that man. guy heard whatever the fuck he wanted. But to she hear. heard <laughs> uh, September 11th attacks and terrorism, and I was just like, lady, that's not what I said. You're you're just hearing what you want to say, and it all goes back to the 911 call. When the guy, guy called 911 on me, he just took my jokes and like everything out of context. People want to hear what they want to hear. That's why the woke and cancel culture is at its finest because you can interpret whatever you want to interpret and say, oh, uh, that's what I heard. That's how I feel about it. And I have an opinion. And, you know. I mean, if you go online, that's all it is is people arguing about one thing or another. Well, well, because everybody has a voice behind the, you know, behind their computer. Everybody can be loud. Well, they just jump on the bandwagon too. Just be like, oh, yeah, I'm on this side now. I'm on this. This is my persona. I used to, you know, when people used to comment on my YouTube clips, they still do. I'll get, like, I get these little YouTube alerts. You know, you have a comment on this, you know, whatever. So it's always, like, the same jokes. There's, like, four or five jokes online out there that people always go to. One of them is, are Egyptians technically black? The other one is the mosque and the nightclub joke. Um uh, Egyptians were the first civilization known to man. You know, they're jokes. But, you know, some of it's in its truth. And I'll just get, like, people just lighting me up. And in the beginning, when it first started happening years ago, you know, I was getting bashed quite a bit. So I would fight back. You don't know shit. Wrong move there. Right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, uh, under, you wouldn't know comedy if somebody slapped you across the <laughs> face with it, like saying stupid stuff like I was a kid. Uh, that's and all I, they want. They want you they, to respond. They're baiting me, and I found myself jumping in this rabbit hole of like, how dare you? And so, you know, now I do it like for the sport, the sport of it. I'll be like, thanks for watching. Please share, you know, yeah. something like that. I, I try to keep it light. I keep it light and try to be positive about it. But uh, So what do you think um, from like 2000 to 2010 and 2010 until now, how comedy's changed? Uh, 2010. Well, like 2000 to 2010. Oh, from 2000 to 2010. Because I feel like it changed a lot yeah. as far as. Um, I feel like comedy for me personally, and I was, um, I was traveling a lot. I was not only was I doing comedy in LA and New York, um, and in, you know pockets around the country, but I was on tour quite, uh, quite a bit, like in the Middle East and Europe and Australia. So for me, globally, it was a beautiful time, um, but people weren't as sensitive. People weren't trying to cancel you, or they weren't, um, you know, you could do jokes and not feel like the audience is going to go, oh, you know, it's, it's like I was, when I was uh, watching this Eddie Murphy and Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> Comedians in Cars, yeah, having coffee, whatever that show is, and Jerry Seinfeld asked Eddie Murphy, can you do raw or delirious these days and he said nope (laughs) 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 which i thought was so absurd yeah we're going backwards we're literally going backwards in in the comedy world and it's mind-boggling i mean look there are certain things that i don't touch or talk about there are certain things that i i cringe when people touch and talk about but i can't sit there and go well you can't do that we're in america and we have freedom of speech you know, I've also heard comics talk about things that are considered very taboo and get away with it. 
Yeah, I think there's a way in and there's out of a that. way and to do it. Some, you, know? you know, you can not like the comedy, but you, you you shouldn't be canceling people because of it. It's subjective. You know, I've heard people do a pedophile joke, and it's not my taste to ever, you know, but it works. They get away with it. It's dark humor, and you're like, oh, okay. I mean, you, you wrote a good joke. Like, David Tell is probably one of my favorite and one of the best comics out there who can take a really dark topic yeah. and make it hilarious. Um, and you don't even really cringe at it. It's just, like, <laughs> his timing and his delivery. He also has a very... Um, What's the word? He's very kind of like, you know, he kind of broods a lot, which is funny for him in his comedy. It's like a brooding, you know, cranky old man. Yeah. He's he's really funny. Who's one of your favorites right now? I've I'm sitting that. right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It's hard to, to go. I mean, I think probably Daniel Tosh. Bill Burr. He course. hasn't been around for a minute. Yeah, he hasn't. I don't know what happened to him. I was just watching some of his stuff the other night, and it was just like, wow. I like Daniel's Hoss. He rides that fine line of just like keep you on the edge of your seat. Like, what the fuck is he? Well, he say? does everything with a smile, and you yeah. can't you can't get mad at somebody with a smile. You yeah. know, look at Jimmy Carr, the uh, the British comedian. He's super dirty and really dark, but he has a suit and a smile. Yeah. Just like Rich, Richie, uh, Ricky Gervais, he's fucking. Gervais hilarious. is the same. So I got funny. to open for him one time. I'll tell you, funny, funny, Ricky, Ricky Gervais. This is a good Hollywood tale, um, and it kind of leads into <clears throat> the next podcast with the guest, who I can't mention. Actually, I will mention it. Um, so Ricky Gervais was nominated for two Golden Globe awards for I can't remember what show, The Office, I guess. Yeah. And um, I think it was his first time in L.A. or his first time at the Comedy Store. I can't remember. But he was staying at the Mondurant Hotel right across the street where the famous um, Sky Bar is and all that. And I had a set in the main room, and it was packed. And Vince Vaughn would often, as I mentioned earlier, he would often accompany me to the Comedy Store. He, I think he just kind of liked hanging out around it. He's not a stand-up comic, but he's a comic actor. And yeah. He did a lot of improv in Chicago, and he's just witty and quick on his feet. But I think he likes, I don't know, the solidarity, the the darkness, the um, you know, the 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 craft of stand-up comedy. But he would just always say, hey, "I'll come with you. I'll come with you." I'm like, "All right." Well, one night he came with me to the comedy store, and we're walking through the back of the main room showroom, you know, around the crowd, because I just wanted to check it out. And Vince is next to me, and we're walking past this table, and it was Ricky Gervais and this other guy. And Ricky Gervais, I, I heard him as we were crossing. He leaned over to his friend, and he goes, hey, mate, that's Vince Vaughn from Swingers. <laughs> and his friend goes, I don't know who that is. And then, and I was a big fan of The Office and Ricky Gervais. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, I was watching it religiously at that time. So when I saw him, I got a little starstruck. And I looked up, up to Vince, and I go, hey, man, that's Ricky Gervais from The Office. And Vince goes, I don't know who that is. <laughs> that's so fucking funny. <clears throat> Swear to God. We go back in the uh, backstage. We're hanging out. I do my set. I have a great set. Afterwards, we go out on the patio. The patio at the comedy store was like where everybody kind of 
would linger and meet up after your sets and have a drink and whatever, smoke a cigarette. So Vince and I are out there. Ricky Gervais and his and his mate come walking up, and he was very complimentary. Hey man, you know he was so funny, and you know it's my first time here. I'm in LA for the awards ceremony, and I was like, yeah, congratulations. I'm a big fan. I said, this is Vince. Vince, this is Ricky. You know, they were like they had not, they'd never met, and um, Ricky knew who Vince was. Vince didn't know who Ricky was. And then we just kind of exchanged um, numbers. Mm-hmm. And then a couple months later, I was, I was at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival for a month doing a run of our Access of Evil comedy show um, with Aaron Cater okay. and Josh Nasser, of all people, uh, who's, I guess, is a big TikTok star now. I don't know. I've, I don't know. Do you know who Josh Nasser is? No. I shouldn't even be talking about him because he was kind of a punk last time I saw him. <laughs> no, he just was like he was. He's just gotten like this weird cockiness about him. Like, all right, you're a TikTok star, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't... Anyway, we all went to Scotland for a month to do a run of our our comedy series, I guess you want to call it. And I invited Ricky Gervais, and he showed up, and there were like 20 people in the audience. Um, but the Scotsman newspaper happened to be there, one of the journalists, mm-hmm. and they were writing how Ricky and Ricky Gervais was, was is still now, but back then like one of the biggest stars in uh, Europe, you know. In the, oh yeah. And so the whole newspaper article was like how Ricky Gervais was laughing his ass off at you know Ahmed Ahmed, uh, ba 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 We give this show four and a half stars, and then that gave us like credit around town. Sweet. But then he invited me to his show at this gigantic, beautiful, I forgot the name of the theater. It was right down the street. I think it was like 2,000, 3,000 people. Um, and he gave us, he gave me nice tickets and I showed up. And I was just like, man, this guy shows up to a 20-seat theater <laughs> and a little black box, you know, in Scotland, Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, and then I go and I see him perform in front of 3,000. It was just kind of like the dichotomy of it was interesting. But the fact that he supports young up-and-coming artists was kind of cool. I ended up winning the Richard Pryor Award uh, that year. It was kind of a cool, magical experience. But then years later, he was running his hour um, that he was going to shoot at the Kodak Theater where they do the Oscars. Mm-hmm. So he asked me to open for him. So that was crazy. I got to perform in front of like 4,000 people at the uh, Kodak Theater twice. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. How many people is your biggest audience you performed in front of? Mm, the biggest, I would say, probably like 4,000. 4,000? Just to be realistic. There have been a couple like 2,500 seat, 3,000. Um, some of them were Axis of Evil. Some of them were Vince Vaughn's Wild West comedy shows. Some of them with Russell Peters. Some of them with... Uh, I've been on some really cool tours now that I think about it, like, yeah. you know, touring with these big comics. When a big comic a- asks you to, to go on tour with you, that's a, like a sign of how funny they think you are and how willing they are to not only travel with you, yeah. uh, but pay for your travel <laughs> and your hotel and your food and your fee. And it just says a lot. Um, but... I think these days it's, you know, you got to kind of go off on your own and do your own thing, right? You can't be somebody's, like, feature act, opening act all the time. Yeah. 
right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, <laughs> you're there. Somewhere. Well, Chappelle does that. <clears throat> Chappelle does like Dave Chappelle and Friends. You know, I like that. You don't have to be a opener or a fe- feature. You can just be a special guest, you yeah. know. I think that's there's another way to kind of skin it like that. Um, what else do we want to cover? Neil Young, Joe Rogan. There was another topic we wanted to cover. We have some shows coming up. You want to plug those? I don't know if we should plug them because we don't know when this is going to drop. I say plug them. (laughs) Well, we do cruisers every Thursday night. Yeah, cruisers, Huntington Beach, every Thursday. Um, I can't remember the address. The address is 215 Fifth Street in Huntington Beach. It's right there at PCH and, like, you know, Main Street. There's a cool... the street right behind Main Street. It's a cool block with, like, restaurants and bars and stuff, but we do this awesome little comedy night on Thursdays. It's free. It's 8 p.m. I always, you know, get monster headliners from L.A. to come down and and be a part of it. It's a a Chicago kind of, like, pizza sports bar, So, um, but we turn off the TVs, and there's great sound in there. Um, And then we let you go up for one minute. If you think you're funny at the end of the show, at the end of the, the show, up, if you shut the fuck up, up and you respect the show, because it's really loud. It's like Roadhouse. Like there have been, I have had to kick a few people out. I almost got in a fight with a couple people. It's like there's always something Some, going on. Sometimes someone just brings a random German Shepherd to bark at you during your uh, <laughs> set. One time they brought a toddler. It's been a yeah been a fun place. Though. Yeah, Super some fun. yeah some woman came in with like her like eleven month. 11 month old baby and i was like what are you what are you doing miss she's like i i i you know i just wanted to have a night out and i don't know what to do with my baby and i was like babysitter maybe <laughs> consider that oh oh man and then she, and then i don't know i was like well this is an r-rated show and i don't want to be responsible if your child like becomes a stripper after the you know what i mean like I was being kind of mean but funny. The crowd was laughing. I just didn't want to be responsible if that child remembered something from my set or our show. You showed up to a bar and a comedy show with with a two year old. With a no, she was like eleven months. Okay, yeah. She's like, it's okay. She doesn't understand English. I go, uh, trust me. We start dropping f bombs. She's gonna go home and start calling you fucking bitch, mom. So that happened, and then the brother-in-law wanted to fight me, and I was like, let me buy you guys a drink. I'm sorry. She started crying. It was a whole thing. And then they were like, no, we wouldn't come in here ever again. Remember last week uh, when Adam Hunter was on stage and that, like, those people stormed out, and then they, there's, the, there's a big glass window where the stage is, and people can park their cars there. So these people stormed out of the. I guess Adam oh, walked. Oh, he fucking bright lighted the whole. Place. They turned on, yeah. They, they turned on the bright lights to like let us it's know. It's fun. It's <laughs> a fun place. Some guy came in with his girlfriend, uh, and it's you know there's a bar right there, so there's like stools you can sit at. This guy sat at the bar. <laughs> he laughed so hard he fell off his stool, and he bounced on his back. But then he popped really, like popped up really fast, like he was yeah. a gymnast. And I go, dude, that's that's athletic ability right there. That's you're a fucking gymnast, man. What is that? Fun place. It's a fun place. What else happened? Another time, some guy was voice texting, 
while he was sitting in the front row. Oh my god! And I went and I tapped him on the shoulder, and I was like, "You can't do that, man!" And please go outside. And he was like, <laughs> "Don't tell me what to do." I was like, "Bro!" In the middle of someone's set, he's right there in the front, going, "Yeah, babe, I'll be there in about uh, twenty-five minutes." He's like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude?" Drunk. Just and then drunk. and then. Um, the guy that fell asleep at the bar. The got guy fell out. asleep at the bar got kicked up. But the guy who was voice texting on the phone, like he was gonna try to, he kind of tried to want to like fight me for some reason. And I was like, I said, bro. I, his friend looked at me and he just nodded like that. I go, can you get your your friend out of here? Because I'm not in the mood. Like when I when I go red, I go red. Yeah. There is there is no Ahmed Ahmed. You know, 35 miles an hour. <laughs> It's either zero or fucking 100 miles an hour. There's no in between. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm working on it. Okay, I'm meditating. You do have that whole corner full of energy crystals, and you burn I sage. Do. I, I burn know you're working <laughs> on it, man. I know you're working on it. It's not easy, man. Our industry, you know, I'm, and I'm already, like, hot-blooded by nature, so it's a uh, double entendre. Um, I, I did want to ask you, because I've never asked you, back to your tours real quick. You toured all over the world. You brought stand-up comedy some, to some places that had never seen stand-up comedy before? Correct. And how was that? Can I pull this in, Wolf? Because I just want to sit back. While you ask me this question, I'm going to sit back. And... Yeah. He's into um, it. Well, the first time... A lot of comics would go on these what they call USO tours or military tours. Yeah. And you perform for American troops in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. The first gig I ever got in the Middle East was a, uh, it was for this like Palestinian um, fundraiser. They were trying to send college students to medical school to learn how to train to be doctors and then send them back to Palestine to, um, you know, to treat patients or whatnot. Um, And it was a big event, 500 people in Dubai at the Grand Hyatt Hotel you know, princes and princesses and VIPs and corporate. And, you know, there were a lot of Arabs in there and a lot of Muslims in there, but there were also like a lot of expats in there, right? Mm -hmm. So people from all over the world were in this sort of one space and they had heard about me and they booked me to do this gig. Um, And I went out there and I killed it. No pun intended, but I killed, man. So I... (laughs) So, um, and then I got approached by a few people. They were like, oh my God, this is great. American stand-up comedy, blah, blah, blah. And um, that just kind of spun into doing like public shows. You're not interested in this story anymore. I am. I'm trying to turn my alarm off here. I'm listening. It's like you asked me, you know, to tell this tall tale. And then you're like, oh, let me start playing fucking Well, I had that fucking street sweeper alarm going off. So I don't want to get rid of it. Um, Where was I? After this gig, I just got approached to do like some. Where pub- was this at? This was in Dubai. Dubai. So a lot of people speak English around um, the world. And, 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 <laughs> and in America, most people just speak. You know, we don't. We don't. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's they're all English class. speaking. Everybody watches. You know, they're all on the internet. Everybody knows. You know, pop culture, Friends, Seinfeld. You know, Chris Rock. You know, stand up comedy was available but only online so for an american comic to go over there was a big deal yeah so we had we wanted to test the waters we did a 
we did a show um, at this underground like warehouse by the airport in Dubai. Uh, invite only, but we only sent out like 10 emails and about 500 people showed up to that. And again, mostly expats, almost all expats, European, Italian, uh, Lebanese, Egyptian, American, South African, Russian, you name it. Um, and I did about an hour on stage and crushed. Yeah, I sold a bunch of merchandise. It was like I, I built this tiny, cool little fan base in Dubai. It was crazy. Um, that led into me coming back a few times to do, because that show was underground. It was nobody approved it, so we could have got. I put. I could have gone to jail for that probably, but the the next time we came, they got permits. We did it at a hotel. Right around that time, we had just shot the Axis of Evil comedy special on Comedy Central. Myself, Miles Gibrani, Aaron Cater, and this cat, Dean Obidala. Okay. And Comedy Central hadn't technically purchased it or even aired it, if I remember correctly. But I had, because we were producers on it, so I had a bunch of like um, DVD copies with the time code and all that. And I just did my set at the show, and then I showed it to, you know, the audience. Like a preview. Yeah. Nice. Like on a, on, a, on a back screen. And people went nuts. Showtime Arabia was in the audience, and they bought it. They said, we'll license it and put it on our platform. So now we're going to be broadcast all throughout the Middle East, like wow. 300 million people. And so I talked Showtime into, hey, before you air it, let's put a tour together in the Middle East. We'll call it the Axis of Evil Comedy Tour. Um, it was myself, the three guys, um, this uh, Asian guy who was, I think he's um, Vietnamese, born in Saudi, raised in Jordan. He speaks perfect Arabic. His name is Wan Ho Chung. Wow. Or no, Korean. I'm sorry. He's Korean. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because um, the, the back joke was, we're the Axis of Evil comedy tour. Uh, we have, you know, Iranian, Egyptian, Palestinian, we, but we just need a North Korean. That was the joke. And we, we couldn't oh, find shit. one, so we found a South Korean who speaks perfect Arabic. So the tour was called Three Guys and One Ho. And Showtime Arabia produced it, paid for it, filmed it. Um, we did, uh, what was it? In 30 days, we did 27 sold-out shows Shit. in five countries, uh, 20,000 tickets. And then they aired it every week on Showtime Arabia. So we were like kind of big stars for a minute, for a cool minute. Yeah. We would walk around the Dubai Mall and people would be like, <gasps> Axis of Evil, you know. But this wasn't uh, the Axis of Evil tour. It was. It was? Okay, yeah. Okay. That the was, show the, was called? The show was also called Axis of Evil. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so that's how that kind of started. And that's what gave everybody, a, you know, uh, the sort of insight to, oh, you know, stand-up comedy can actually happen here in the Middle East. Um, and then we broke up as a group, and then I followed up the tour with um, Just Like Us. So like Whitney... The documentary? Co right. Yeah. Sebastian Maniscalco came, Whitney Cummings came, Angelo Sarukas, Eric Griffin, Omi Jalili, all these sort of Kirk Fox... Uh, it was on one of those shows. So there was this eclectic group of like mostly American but very international comics. Tommy Davidson was with us. Yeah. Um, 
So that was interesting to see how, how comedy, you know, crossed over. And then later on, you know, all the big, big ass artists were going over there. Russell Peters, Gabriel Iglesias, Kevin Hart, uh, you know, name it, Trevor Noah, Chappelle. So, so you kind of opened it up. I for sure opened it up. And you guys owe me. Everybody I just named, <laughs> you owe me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was fun. I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to go back to the Middle East. I haven't been there in years, so it would be fun to do like a reunion tour. I was talking to Maz Jobrani the other night. If you guys, most of you probably know who he is. If you don't know who Maz Jobrani is, um, he's a very successful uh, comedian, actor. He's Iranian. He was one of the co-founders and is one of the co-founders of the Axis of Evil Comedy Tour. And we were talking last night or the other night about doing a reunion show. Not tour, just a, like a one-off to see if we all can like get along again. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So um, that's in the works. Stay tuned for that. Hi, thanks. Um, we're going to reboot Sea Legs in Huntington, but just make it like a comedy summer series. Look out for that. Um, Super fun. Cruisers every Thursday night. I'm just going to plug these shows coming up. I'm not sure when this episode's going to drop, but if it drops before, we will be right here at Jam in the Van on February 22nd. By the way, we're in the Jam in the Van podcast studio. This place is awesome. It's uh, right in the heart of West L.A. The address is 3384 Motor Avenue, right in between Venice and Pico Boulevard. Um it's an ex-rehab center, so it has all these cool little, it's like a cool little complex with different rooms and spaces, and they came in here and made it this music, comedy, arts, culture kind of concept, which is perfect. Um, not to mention there's a Islamic mosque right next door. Sorry. <laughs> Did I just... There's an Islamic mosque right next door, so if I decide I want to go say a prayer, that's okay. Um, but no, they have a cool concept here. JamintheVan.com. Check them out. Um, comedy Compound. Ahmed Ahmed's Comedy Compound. February 22nd. Go to JamintheVan.com for tickets. How's your uh, IG battle? Nothing. Still nothing, huh? I had an Instagram account that you all know, or some of you probably know, was hacked. <laughs> and um, I haven't gotten it back. I had 13,000 followers. So it wasn't like I had millions of people. If I had millions of people, they probably wouldn't have given it back. <laughs> They're probably like, eh, whatever, let this... I don't know. I'm a, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist, too. I had a Facebook account that was hacked, so... Look, I have people that are trying to cancel me. I have people that are hacking my accounts. Um, so, no. But my new Instagram is Ahmed Ahmed Comedy. A-H-M-E-D Comedy. A-H-M-E-D uh, Twice Comedy. But what are the other shows before I forget? Brea, February 12th. Brea Improv, February 12th. Promo code 50% off is Ahmed, just uh, my name. Ventura? And well, with Brea, go to uh, improv.com, I guess, or just go to breaimprov.com. I don't know. Just type in Ahmed. Type in, Ahmed, type in Improv.com and I'll pop up. February uh, 16th. And uh, a lot Did of I people. Yeah, February 16th. Blake's on the show. I'll be headlining. Jen Sturger's on the show. Anya Zova is on the show. Joe Urell. Renee Percy. Renee Percy. So it's a big lineup, mostly females. Uh, very, very female forward. 
show. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny. Everybody's funny as fuck. And then what's, what's after that? Uh, that Ventura Comedy Club. Ventura Harbor Comedy Club. February uh, 18th and 19th, I believe. It's a Friday and a Saturday. Friday, Saturday. One show each night. Um, yeah. And then we got... Uh, what else? We have some cool episodes dropping that we are recording, pre-recording. Um, it's fun to be here in the studio working with... Uh, with the guys, big ups, shout out, and thanks to the two Jakes, uh, Trainer and Cutler. Yeah. Uh, Dave, uh, Jack Higgins, our creative director, and Wolf Ramirez, who's uh, right here behind the scenes. Killing it. Is there anything else we should wrap up? Or? I think that's good, man. Any thoughts, prayers, concerns? I don't pray much anymore. Why? It just didn't work out. Mm. What's her name? <laughs> She broke uh, your heart. Wolf, you have any? No, I'm good. I feel like there was one more thing we needed to cross off. No? You guys are at 46 minutes right now. 46 minutes? I think that's a good one. All right. Well, hey, guys. My name is Ahmed Ahmed. This is Blake Barty. This is Hollywood Tales. Um, check us out. Go to jamminthevan.com for our live comedy shows. And then go to YouTube and subscribe to Jam in the Van. Um, and you can check out past episodes with Peter Billingsley, Tom Morello, our Oscar winner Ari Sandel, uh, Anya Zova, and we have some cool guests coming up. So many more. Peace out. Be safe. All right. Don't be woke. <laughs> <laughs>